Excellent. Um, okay, uh, take your Bibles, please. Second Chronicles. This is Old Testament. Second Chronicles today, not to be confused with Corinthians. If you can't find Second Chronicles, it's right after First Chronicles. Does that help? Okay, I hope so. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a bad day? Ever had a trial? Ever have a problem? Anything ever go wrong? You say, man, what's up? I'm a Christian. I shouldn't be having any problems. Well, I don't know where that scripture is. There's a series that I'm going to be teaching on in the next several weeks entitled, Does God Hear Me? Does God Hear Me? I, I really sense in my heart that some of us, as we go through some difficult times, we have no trouble believing, say, that I, I know when Durf prays, God hears Durf, but God doesn't hear me. Now, Durf could be up there saying, man, I, I, I know when Dan prays, God hears Dan, but I don't know if God hears me. I want us to be convinced through God's word today that when you pray, God hears you. As a matter of fact, the Bible says this, that even before you speak, he hears you. Because he knows what's in your heart. He knows what's on your spirit. He knows what's in your mind. He knows what you're going through. That God is there to hear us. And we're going to see this in the story of King Jehoshaphat today. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Does God hear me? So I want to tell a story. I want to tell a story of this great king. Does God hear me? That's a, that's a great question. And when we're going through good times, we feel God hears us. But when we go through difficult times, we begin to question, does God really hear me? Does he know what I'm going through? I know he loves me, but does he hear me? Does, is he going to answer? Does he really care? Um, I was sitting at the uh, hospital cafeteria a lot this week as Marcia and I were there seeing her, her dad. And she was up there with her dad a lot in the room, and I'm down in the cafeteria, and, and I, I'm, I'm working. A nice thing, I, I can work wherever I am, it seems like. And when I was down there, I came across one of my Panera Bread friends. And you don't want to see somebody you know at the hospital visiting. And I said, Ray, what's going on? Why are you here? And he said, Dan, he said, since January, I've had stints put in. And now my wife is here because she has breast cancer. I stood there in the cafeteria and we cried together and I put my arms around Ray and we prayed. I didn't care what anybody said. It's none of their business what I'm doing. And we prayed and, and we just believed God. And when I was done, Ray said, I trust God. I trust God. I'm believing God. And he didn't say these words, but this is what he was saying. I believe that God hears me and I believe he's going to answer me. So pray for Ray's wife. I don't even know what her name is because he's just a, a, a friend. I met at Panera Bread a while back. When we go through trials, we must be convinced that God hears us. We must be convinced that he knows us, that he loves us, that he's watching over us. The devil's going to make you think all kinds of things, that he doesn't care. Those are lies from hell. I want you to know that. The Bible says that he does know us, he does love us, he does care, he does hear, and we're going to see that today in the next several weeks. That was the case of King Jehoshaphat. King Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles was a godly king. 
He was not perfect, but he was godly. A lot like you and me, huh? Not perfect, but godly. Loved God with all of his heart. And since he was a godly king, he probably should have never had any problems. But you have found out, have you not, that you love God and you still go through life. And this is what was going on here. In those times, there are times in our life where we are going through just having a bad day. But there's other times that we're going through some serious spiritual warfare. There are times that we understand the devil is really out to divide and destroy and come against us, to harm us, to hurt us. And those are those times that we just need to rise up and instead of just say, well, you know, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. We just need to start fighting. And God has given us in, in, in his word, he has given us weapons that are not of this world. That's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians. He's given us weapons to destroy strongholds. He's given us weapons to come against any attack of Satan. And we need to rise up and be strong in the Lord. And this is what Jehoshaphat was learning. See, at that time, Israel had no greater enemy than we see in verse 1. The Moabites and the Ammonites. They were the greatest enemies that Israel had at that time. It's like fighting the Taliban today, ISIS today. They were just terrible enemies that were coming against them. So we're going to look today what Jehoshaphat did when he's going through some spiritual warfare, some real warfare coming against him. Number one, in verse number one and two, it says, After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Minunites came to make war on Jehoshaphat. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army is coming against you from Edom. We just want to stop, stop right there. He, first of all, was aware of the fight. He was not living with his head in the sand. He was not just walking in life and just saying, well, whatever happens, you know, I'm just putting my life in God's hands. No. He was aware. When Satan was attacking him, when the enemy was coming against him, he was well aware of what was going on. Folks, Jesus said in his word that we need to watch and pray. We need to be aware of what the enemy is doing. We need to know what's happening because the enemy has tactics. He's a schemer. He knows how to get us. And we need to be alert and we need to be aware. We need to stand against whatever the enemy is doing. So he needed to be aware that the enemy was coming after him and that he himself was in a fight for his life. Second thing, he prayed to the Lord. Look at verse number three. Alarmed. Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. Let me just stop there and ask, when you know the enemy is after you, what's your first response? What's your first response? See, I love this guy because the first thing he did, he did not cry, moan, whine, complain. He began to cry out to God. He inquired of the Lord. It's real easy. Isn't it easy just to complain? How many of you have complained this week? Don't raise your hands. It's so easy to complain. It's so easy to grumble. It's so easy to say, woe is me. It's so easy to say, why me, Lord? It's so easy to say those things. When this man was facing the fight of his life and he knew that he was being attacked, he went to God. He inquired of God. He prayed to God. God, I need you. God, help me. God, I can't do this. God, I need you. And he went and he did not depend on himself. See, the problem is, Here's what, here's what it could be about you and me, maybe. Maybe not you, but me. And Dan made his enemy stronger. And Dan made himself think that he could win. 
and Dan made better weapons. No. This man, when he's fighting for his life, he didn't do anything like that because he knew he had no power over the enemy. He had to turn to God because God has all the power. God has all the authority. And he knew where to turn, and that's exactly what he did. The third thing, in verse number three, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. He proclaimed a fast, not just for himself, but he proclaimed a fast for the entire nation. The entire church was in this thing together. They were all going to either be victorious or they were all going to be defeated. So what are they going to do? Are they going to sit back or are they going to fight? And they fought with spiritual weapons and they fought by fasting. So what is fasting? Fasting is denying ourselves something that our flesh desires in order to inspire our spirit. Fasting is spending the eating time with God. Fasting is not giving up my egg McMuffin in the morning, but I just go to work earlier. That's not fasting, that's just being hungry. Fasting is, instead of eating my cereal in the morning, I'm going to put my cereal away, take out my Bible, and spend that 15 minutes with God. That's fasting. And the entire nation was fasting. They were humbling themselves before God. They knew that there was sin in their life, and they knew they had to humble themselves. They humbled themselves through fasting, but they were telling God, we understand, God, we do not have the answers. You do. We don't have the power. You do. And we're going to fast, and we're going to pray, and we're going to seek God. I think we as Christians need to spend more time fasting. I think I do. See, Jesus, before he made big decisions, you read the scripture, before he chose his 12 disciples, he spent time fasting. We see men and women all through scriptures, when they're seeking the face of God, they give up a meal and they spend some time with God. This is, this is so important. My, my flesh likes to eat. How about your flesh? Matter of fact, I'm already planning on what I'm having for lunch today. This is terrible. I'm thinking about lunch and I'm talking about fasting. That's basically the way it goes. When you give up a meal, you think you're hungry. Folks, I'm going to spend some time this week and I'm going to be fasting. And I'm going to be fasting for a move of the Holy Spirit in this church. And I'm going to be fasting that we would see the power of the Holy Spirit bring healings to bodies. And I'm going to be fasting that we're going to see many people come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior through the ministry of this church. And we're in a battle for our lives. We're in some spiritual warfare. And the devil hates his church. And he hates your home. And we need to fight. And this is what Jehoshaphat is learning here. So he took, he was willing to give up some bread so he could spend some time with God. Awesome. And then they sought the Lord, number four. Look at verse number 12. Verse number 12. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Oh, our God. Will you not judge them? For we have no power to face the enemy. They were seeking God. They were praying and seeking God. In Jeremiah 29, verse 12, Jeremiah said, If you seek him, you will find him. Now that's good news. If you seek God, you will find him. Where are you, God? Seek me, you will find me. 
God, I don't know where you are. I don't hear you. God says, seek me and you will find me. So, so the, these are great promises. And if you seek God, when do you stop? Let me ask you a question. When do you stop looking for your lost car keys, Marsha? You stop looking for lost car keys when you find them. When do you stop seeking for your lost child? I remember we were in Penny's 30 years ago. And we heard over the loudspeaker, Mr. and Mrs. Deem, your son Nathan has been found. I didn't even know he was lost. He was hiding in the clothes. When you stop looking for a lost child, when you find him. When you stop seeking God, really, in all, honestly, you never stop seeking God. You just keep coming after God. You keep coming and coming and coming and coming. And that's what they were doing. And they, they prayed as a congregation. Verses 5 through 12, I'm not going to take a lot of time there to read that. But they prayed as a church. They prayed as a nation. They prayed as a congregation. And Acts chapter 2 says, The prayer of agreement is when the Holy Spirit's power fell upon them. Jesus said, when you pray in agreement where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm in the midst. Folks, it's important when you're going through a time of need and you're fighting for your life that you find somebody. Don't do this by yourself. Don't do life by yourself. Find somebody. Unite with them. Pray with them. And that's what Jehoshaphat was doing. There's power as we pray in unity. And as they prayed, you can read these verses, verse 5 through 12. When they prayed, they were reminded of God's past blessings, God's past promises, and they knew that God was going to do what God said he would do. And then maybe the most important thing, still in verse 12, they recognized their weakness. Jehoshaphat prayed, we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We have no power, Lord. We can't do this by ourselves. Have you ever been in a situation you just have no power over? I felt that way this week with Marsha's dad. Man, big, strong, tough guy. And now he can't even stand up. We have no power. Lord, we have no power. We can't do this. We don't have the strength. We're not adequate. Lord, we, we recognize that we're not big enough. We recognize we're not as smart as we thought we were. We recognize that we don't have all the answers anymore. You know, some of us, like, like myself, we think we're pretty smart, don't we? We can figure stuff out. Jehoshaphat was a smart guy. He was a king. I mean, come on. But he realized when he came to this situation, there was nothing he could do. And he goes on to say, we don't know what to do. And I think there's times that we need to go to God and just say that, God, I'm fighting this battle, and I don't know what to do. Darren? I don't know what to do. That's not showing weakness. That's showing strength. Weakness is when you just melt and walk away. Strength is when you say, Lord, I don't know what to do. So I'm calling out to you, and I'm asking for your help because I can't do this anymore. This is awesome. I love this king. I'm going to see him someday. And then the end of the verse is incredible. Let me just read it. Lord, we have no power to face this vast army. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. 
Lord, we don't know what to do. We don't know how to do it. We can't fix it. It's out of our control. We don't know what to do. But here's what we do know to do, Lord, and we're going to do this. We're going to put our eyes on you. Because he has all power and he has all authority. You know, the, the writer of Hebrews said it the same way. Fix your fix. Put your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Keep your eyes on Jesus. So here's the problem with Jehoshaphat. He didn't do this. The problem, many of us, we would keep our eye focused on the vast army against us. He did not do that. He put his eyes upon God. You put your eyes on your enemy. You put your eyes on your problems. I'm telling you what, your problem gets bigger. You put your eyes on Jesus, and Jesus gets bigger, and your problems shrink. This is what's happening here. Did you ever notice in this story, God never responded? They're facing death. Bigger army than they ever fought before. They prayed. They sought God. They fasted. They did everything they knew to do, and God never responded. Ever feel that way? Man, I have about 100,000 times. But understand this. Just because God did not speak does not mean that God was not aware. Did not mean that God didn't love him. Because God has a plan. God has a purpose. God has a timing. And you say, Pastor Dan, that's a cop-out. I'm so tired of hearing God has a time. It's the word. It's the word. It's the word. He has a time. I'm waiting for that in two areas of my life. I'm very anxious. I'm very impatient. And I keep coming to God because God has a time. See, nothing takes God by surprise. Don't you think God is big enough from heaven to look down and see the Moabites and Ammonites coming against Jehoshaphat? God knew what was going on. He knows what's going on in your world. God's bigger than, than what we can imagine. So, so God never said a word, and then, then all of a sudden, not all of a sudden because God's been planning his timing. Look at verse number 14. God sends a prophet. says, The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, and, and here's what he said in verse 15. Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, everybody listen to, to what God is saying. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but the battle is God's. Man, if that doesn't get your motor running, you're dead. Look at this. Do not be afraid. Why do you think the prophet said, do not be afraid? Because we get afraid. Why did he say, do not be discouraged? Because we get discouraged. But here's what he is saying. Jehoshaphat, stop. God heard you. He saw you seeking him. He saw your fasting. He saw the group coming together in prayer. God heard you. And now get ready because the battle is not yours but God's. And I want you to know that whatever you're facing in your life, the battle is not yours, but the battle is God's. And some of us, we sit back and say, wow, God's got a big battle ahead of him. Hey, he does. He can handle it. He can handle it. And I'm telling you what, when you look at a vast army out there and you realize that you are powerless, how good is it to know that I don't have to worry about that anymore? I'm just going to put my eyes on God and I'm going to let God take care of it. 
And boy, does God have some problems represented in this church. And I, I, I mean, I'm just saying, we have problems, do we not? But we serve a big God. We serve a big God. Woo, we serve a big God. The battle is not yours, but God's. Folks, if we're, a, if we're God's child, and we are, and if we are God's church, and we are, then no matter what comes against us, we will be victorious because of God Almighty. It's His battle. So here's how I'm praying. In these two situations, Lord, you know. Lord, I trust you. Lord, it's your battle. Lord, you're bigger. Lord, you're able. Lord, you're going to do it. Lord, I believe your word. I believe your promises. We have to keep doing this, and we're going to see Jehoshaphat begins to walk in an act of faith here. See, God's solution, when he said, the battle is mine, look at, look at God's solution here, verse number 16. Tomorrow, march down against them. March against your enemies. No, God, I don't want to do that. I don't want to march against my enemies. We're going to find out why. March against your enemies. God says, I know where they are. Read the verse. I don't want to take the time here. God knew exactly where the enemy was and what they were doing. Nothing takes him by surprise. Go be aggressive. Don't be defensive. Go march against them. Verse 17 says, you will not have to fight this battle, God says. Take up your position. Stand firm. Stand firm. Don't give up. Be strong. And in verse 17 also, and see the deliverance of the Lord. Watch what God is doing. So here, here's the thing. Why do we need to march against the enemy? Because God wants to give us a front row seat to see what he's doing. Yesterday, we had a wedding in this place, a beautiful wedding. I had the best seat in the house. I'm right here. It was awesome. I could see the tears. I could see the quivering lips. Almost made me do it. I had the best seat. When we march against our enemy, God says, I want you to march. I want you to go against the enemy. Folks, what's the enemy? What's your enemy? Don't answer me out loud. What's the enemy you're fighting right now? It could be fear. It could be depression. It could be health. It could be relationship. Whatever that is, you stand against it. You come against it. You call it out in the name of Jesus. And then you stand there and you stand firm with God that we're going to be victorious. And then you are to watch and God wants you to come against it so that you can see him do it. And God will do it. He will do it. If he promised you, as he promised Jehoshaphat, he will do it. And you stand on that. Is that name it, claim it? I don't know what you call it. But if it's in God's word, then I'm going to stand on it. And I'm going to believe it. That'll preach. We run from temptation. We run from temptation. But we run to the battle. And we're going to fight. By the way, the Apostle Paul calls this life a good fight. Why is it a good fight? <laughs> we win. You know, you might get a couple bumps and bruises, but man, if you win, it's a good fight. Jehoshaphat's response to what God just said. Look with me in verse number 18. Remember, it's just a story here. Jehoshaphat, he bowed with his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah, they fell down in worship before the Lord. When they heard the word of the Lord 
He bowed before God. He humbled himself. He worshiped the Lord. He worshiped the Lord. He worshiped the Lord. He worshiped the Lord. He was not leaning on his own understanding. He was worshiping the Lord. Notice, nothing changed in the story. The enemy is still there. The enemy did not run and hide. The enemy is still posted against them. But the thing that changed was Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat changed because he became very humble before God. And when he realized he didn't know what to do, but his eyes were on God, and God began to speak, it's my battle, then he bowed down and he worshiped God, and he realized that God was going to take care of him. And he worshiped him, and he humbled himself. His confidence was in the strength and power of God, not in himself. And then, folks, something so important, don't you miss this point. He began in verse number 19. He began to praise. And then some Levites from the Kohathites and the Korites, they stood and they praised the Lord. Here's what happened. The whole nation, the whole nation, they humbled themselves and they got on their knees and they began to, to worship God and humble themselves before God. They're facing the enemy. The enemy hasn't changed. The enemy hasn't moved a bit. They're still there. And they begin to worship God because of what God promised. And in the midst of that time of worship, somebody stood up. And they lifted their hands. You read it. They lifted their hands before God. And they begin to praise. They begin to sing. They begin to worship. They begin to love God. The enemy is still there. Nothing changed out there except what changed in here. And they begin to praise and they begin to worship God. And the entire nation stood up and they begin to all praise and sing and worship and lift up the name of Jesus or the name of, of God, Old Testament. Worship is for who God is. Praise is for what God has done, or in this case, for what God is about to do. I don't have a lot of visions. Some of you have visions. I don't have a lot of visions. But I had a vision when I was about Wes's age. I was in a time of prayer. And as I was in prayer, I was walking down a dark alley. And a couple guys came after me with guns. And they were going to attack me and they were going to rob me. They were going to beat me up. Who knows what they were going to do to me. And I was scared, man. My heart and my, you know, I, I, was, I was scared. And um, all of a sudden, I just felt the power of God come upon me. And I turned, and I faced those guys, and I lifted up my hands in my vision. And I began to praise God. I didn't rebuke. I began to praise God. And when I began to praise God, these guys, they dropped their weapons and they ran. And God spoke to me in that moment and said, Dan, the devil is allergic to praise. And we need to learn to praise God. I don't feel like praising God. I don't care if you feel like praising God. There's something called a sacrifice of praise. And there are times that we need to praise God, even facing the enemy. They're facing death. They're facing all this stuff. And they just stood and they praised God in the face of their enemies. Wow. These guys were amazing. So the devil hates praise. As a matter of fact, he's allergic to praise. As a matter of fact, he runs away from a praising believer. He cannot stand it. But he does love complaining. 
The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. Do you want to know where God is? Do you want to know where God is? God, where are you? You know where God is? The Bible says when we begin to praise God, that's where God is. And some of us, we're facing battles. We're facing some hard things. We're facing some tough things. And you know what we need to do? We need to spend some time praising God. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. God, I love you. God, your word says. God, I'm standing on your word. I'm standing on your promises. I believe your word is true. I just love you. I trust you. Wow. God, you did this in the past, and I believe, you know, just, you know how to do it. Let's just do it. I don't feel like it. I'm sorry. I hope this doesn't sound mean. I don't care if you feel like it. This is what they did. This is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to praise God. Praise is faith in action. These two issues I'm telling you about, well, I'm not really telling you about it. I'm just making you aware of these two issues. I'm just praising God. I'm fighting. I'm standing against the enemy. I'm coming against him. I do rebuke him in the name of Jesus. But these two areas, I'm praising God because I'm standing on his word. This is what your word says, Lord, and I praise you because your word will come true. I don't know when, but I'm believing it because you said it that's what jehoshaphat did awesome guy huh in verse number 20 they they had faith look look at this early in the morning as they set out for the desert they set out and they said listen judah and the people of jerusalem have faith in the lord your god and you will be upheld have faith in god that god hears you that god knows what you're going through that god has the power that god will answer have faith And then verse number 22 is ridiculous. As they begin to sing in praise, let me back up to verse 21. It's kind of cool. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. And they went out at the head of the army. And they were saying, Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. That... That's no way to fight a battle. You send the Marines. You don't send the choir. They're facing, they're facing extinction. They were going to be wiped off from the face of the earth. And instead of sending the strong, tough guys, they sent the choir, and the choir began to sing praises unto God as they faced the enemy. We know the end of the story. We know it worked. And why did it work? It worked because that's the way God said to do it. That's why it worked. And they begin to praise. They begin to worship. They begin to love God. It's amazing. See, Joshua, before that, he began to praise God and the walls came tumbling down. In the New Testament later, Paul and Silas, they were praising God in prison and the prison doors were opened up. And now Jehoshaphat began to praise God. And what happened? Look at verse 22. As they began to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invaded Judah, and they were defeated. Look look how this worked. The men of Ammon and Moab rose up uh, against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. And after they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. The, the praise went forth. The army was on the edge because they, they, they marched against the enemy. They stood and watched. And when they watched, when they praised, 
God sent the enemy to fight each other and destroyed each other completely. I have a feeling the praise continued a little bit longer. Whoa, did you see that? And the tears and the humility and the gratefulness. Look what God is doing. Look what God is doing. Awesome. I love this. So uh, what was the result of the battle? What was the result of the battle they didn't want to face in the first place? Look at verse number 24. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and saw toward the vast army, or looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. I know that sounds kind of gory, but here's what it means. They saw firsthand the power of God destroying their enemies. And I believe that me and these two issues, and I believe you and your issues, you're going to see the power of God destroying the enemies. And if you run and hide, and you're not going to see it. But you, you come against the enemy. You come against the enemy of your home and your soul so that you can see firsthand what God is doing. Love this. And then verse number 25. Oh, man. So Jehoshaphat and all his men went to carry off their plunder. And they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder, it took three days to collect it. So when they saw the power of God, their faith grew. And now they got the plunder, you know the plunder, you know, they, 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 they took everything but the kitchen sink. They just took everything. They probably took the kitchen sink. And it was more, the, the blessing grew. What's that mean? It means they were better off, they were better off after the battle than they were before the battle. Somebody needs to hear that today. They were better off after the battle than they were before the battle. Oh, but I don't like battles. Well, who in the world likes battles? You don't go out looking for one. I guess William Wallace did. He said, I'm going to go pick a fight. I remember that. Somehow I just thought of that right now. But you know what, folks? We're all going to face battles. We're all going to face trials. Jesus said, in this world you're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. We know that we are victorious because of Jesus. These guys lived in victory because of the power of God. And they, if you're going through a battle today, and, and I, I have a feeling we are, some of us are, a lot of us are, you're going to be better off on the other end. That's what the Bible says. So we can praise God for that. Lord, I don't like this, I don't like this, but Lord, I trust you, Lord, I trust you, Lord, I praise you, Lord, I honor you. They were better off. You know what's really interesting here? Look at verse number 26. On the fourth day, three days to collect the plunder. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Baraka, where they praised the Lord. And that is why it is called the valley of Baraka. The battlefield became a valley of praise. The battlefield turned into a valley of praise. And folks, I think I'm being prophetic right now that some of you in your battlefields, that God's going to take that battlefield and He's going to so wipe out the enemy 
that that battlefield is going to turn into a valley of praise. And that's going to be used to give glory to God and thanks to God. And to end this story quickly, that's exactly what they did. They went and they worshiped God. They praised God. And the last thing they did, they went into the temple and they began to thank God for His blessings. They did not forget where the victory came from. It came from God Almighty. And we need to make sure that we remember to give thanks unto the Lord. The battlefield became a valley of praise. Mm. Folks, have you felt like, as the phrase goes, the heavens are brass? In other words, your prayers just aren't getting anywhere. You're wondering if God hears you. God hears you. You heard Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat prayed. He humbled himself. He worshiped God. He fasted. God heard them. And God answered and God delivered. And I want you to know today that God hears you. God hears you. Were you ever in a big crowd and your kids got away from you and you heard a little four-year-old, Mom, Dad, you knew it was yours, didn't you? amazing when we call out God hears us today I want us to pray as a congregation the whole nation of Israel I want us to pray as a congregation for a need that God put on my heart this week and I don't want to embarrass anybody but we're just going to put this into action and I'd like Craig Strasser to come up here. Craig has been fighting with an ear situation for Craig. It's been a year now, hasn't it? He gets a couple hours of sleep a night. That's it. Rings, buzzes. It's awful. And God puts you in my heart for this prayer today. And I want us as a church. They did that. The whole nation, they, they, they came together to, to come against the enemy. There's an enemy attacking this brother, and I'm tired of it. I know he is. And I would like somebody that believes in the power of God to get out of your chair and come up here and join me in prayer. Would you come? Stand up here. You've been listening to a sermon from Louisville First Assembly. For more information, visit www.firstagonline.com. That's www.firstagonline.com.